0: (laughs) All right. November 1963, the first episode of Doctor Who was broadcast. Little did people know that on that evening, a television legend was born. And now, 50 years and 11 Doctors later, Doctor Who will celebrate its half-century in November 2013. And already, social media, bloggers, forums and podcasters have already begun those celebrations. But why has this show survived and how has a little British sci-fi show about a man who travels through time and space in a battered blue police box, once famous for its wobbly sets, cheap special effects and occasionally hammy acting, become the global sensation that it is today? In an occasional series of interviews, I'll be talking to fans, bloggers and podcasters and try to find out what they love and hate about the show what their favourite memories are, and ask why has this show about a madman in a box survived for so long? My guest this week is James Rockcliffe from the Doctor Who podcast. Welcome to the show, James.
1: Thank you very much,
0: Phil. Hello, and hello everybody else. Well, glad to have you here, mate. Glad to have you here. Now, <laughs> um, I usually start off asking people how do they get into Doctor Who, but I think... um as we recalled, sort of like um, the last couple of days, we just had the 50th anniversary TV schedule announced by the BBC. And uh, so, what's your take on that? Because everything's been quite critical of the fact that, you know, we, we were promised the year of Doctor Who and it for a lot of fans it hasn't lived up to their quite lofty expectations by the sounds <laughs> of things
1: yeah i know but then again doctor who fans expectations aren't always what you would call normal or realistic no, um, no. but ha- having said that uh, i am a doctor who fan therefore <laughs> my expectations are <laughs> as you would expect rather high um we're we talking about the tv schedule that was announced by the bbc and then hastily withdrawn from their websites are we
0: we are indeed we are indeed
1: mm, yeah i did manage to catch that and uh I think it had about six or seven bullets didn't it, it and I gotta say there wasn't anything there that really set the world alight for me I mean a lot of it we knew already mm-hmm. I suppose the new information was the title of the Christmas special Day of the Doctor yeah <laughs> yeah okay um <laughs> it's it's a title yeah. um it's we, we the, had
0: going to say it's a bit too close to Day of the Daleks for my liking but
1: yeah. And I was wondering whether or not that was deliberate as well. You know, it, hmm. it's homaging um, something that basically kept Doctor Who going in the 60s. It wasn't really the character of the Doctor. It wasn't the concept or format of the show. It was the success of the Daleks that really, you know, sent the show into um, into perpetuity. But hmm. I, I I don't know, in all honesty, I, I'm kind of I thought it was a bit of a non-announcement. Pretty much every announcement that the BBC make these days, whether it's either a leak or, or, or whether it's something that gets announced at midnight when I'm normally asleep, uh, is it, just not that interesting. Um, 75 minutes, yeah, fine. We've had longer episodes, I think, or episodes that have um, you know gone on for a lot longer when they're yeah. celebrating a particular landmark end of time you know went on for about four days i think to celebrate tenant's departure
0: i was gonna suppose they learned from their mistake on that one then
1: <sighs> i i i really don't <laughs> know i i do hope so completely different production team different yep. lead writer um I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the episode itself i'll say that much but um yeah there's, there's not really much else it was a radio show what else was there
0: uh, you've got obviously the other the other big one is the adventure in space and time, which I think a lot of people are actually looking forward to more than the actual 50th anniversary special itself.
1: Yes, now I'm I'm not one of those individuals. I have to say that the landmark um, show for me uh, with Matt Smith and David Tennant is is the is the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I am looking forward to, you know, seeing how Doctor Who was made, put into a really good drama. Style and format. I think Mark Gatiss is fantastic. I think he's really, really good at both writing. He's great at, uh, at producing documentaries as well. Yep. So I think, you know, he was the natural choice. And I am looking forward to it. I'm very much hoping to get tickets to go and see the preview to that at the uh, British Film Institute, as I'm sure you are too. Uh, indeed, I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that, but there's no new information again. You know, the most information we got about that was when it was being filmed and they had to do external uh, shoots there was lots of photographs, very intriguing photographs leaked online. Yeah. And that was exciting too. But, you know, in, in terms of the actual schedule and what they announced, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly lukewarm about it.
0: Yeah, because the other things, you've got some sort of the science of Doctor Who with uh, Professor Brian Cox was one of the yeah. other things, which I must admit, I'm, I
1: I don't know about yourself, James, but I'm not too excited about that one. No, uh, at the yeah, risk of sounding that. like... a uh, pair of miserable old gets. um, (laughs) No, uh, I'm not. But then again, you know, I'm not usually excited about things that go alongside the show. I mean, I was I was one of the very few people who wasn't that bothered when uh, Doctor Who Confidential was cancelled. You Mm. know, it was it was actually a bit of a relief towards the end. I didn't have to spend an additional hour watching a show about how they managed to put someone in a controlled fall down some stairs you know i I'd never really found that interesting i appreciate the fact that other people do mm. but um you know I, I the thing that i'm really interested in is a really high quality story uh for the 50th anniversary i don't think Stephen moffat will mess this one up i'll be extremely surprised if he did i'm certain there's going to be a few surprises i'm very much hoping for the TARDIS set designed for an adventure in space and time to feature in the 50th anniversary as well yep. hopefully alongside David Bradley and Reece Shearsmith you never know
0: you never do know you never do know indeed because um I think that's what a lot of people are actually hoping for is some sort of cameo from those two um I don't actually know whether that's gonna whether that would work are we going into sort of Richard Herndall territory again here
1: Oh, possibly. Um, but for me, that worked fine. And I, I know I was a lot younger at the time. That went out in 1985, didn't it? So I was yeah. nine years old. I was perfectly willing to accept a brand new First Doctor. Wait, oh, um, 80, st- 83, sorry.
0: What, what Doctor doctors
1: are we? Oh, dear. Oh, just <laughs> call me Rufus Hounds. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, I don't mind. that. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, if, if indeed they do get, you know, Cameos, or or indeed, you know, they have appearances in one form or another from the previous Doctors. Then that's going to be a pretty good uh, present, I think, for for fans. And and Peter Davison was on Daybreak this week, uh, as we recalled, and he said very clearly, "I have a script for the 50th anniversary yes, special with my that. name embossed and embossed through it." Now I know he's the father-in-law of one of the stars, but. I still think they would be particularly careful on who they circulated those scripts to, so I'm wondering whether or not there is going to be even an audio cameo from The Fifth Doctor.
0: There yeah, very well may be, but... Well, we shall see, we shall see, because I think, I think <laughs> the, imp- the important thing for me anyway, and I think for a lot of other fans, it doesn't get spoiled, and I think that the, 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 the
1: most they keep secret, the better. I think... <laughs> yeah i'm not that fussed about spoilers so <laughs> <laughs> long as they're not monumental plot points i mean i'd have been really quite miffed i think had i found out how um the what, what was the very last episode called in series seven the name of the, the, no, the name doctor. of the
0: doctor
1: yeah i'd have been a bit miffed if i would have found out what had happened there early and of course i could quite easily have done given they they told a whole bunch of people in america um yeah. who had all the blu-rays but uh Small spoilers as to who's in it, you know. You get some people say, I don't even want to know the title of the episode, <laughs> I'm yeah. not that fast.
0: <laughs> well, of course, the, I mean, the, the other thing that's coming up in the 50 of celebrations is also Big Finish are getting involved as well. Yes. Um, which I do know you're a massive fan of, um, the yeah, work very that goes on on Big Finish. Um, so how important is it to you that sort of like Big Finish keeps the flame burning or has kept the flame burning for Doctor Who for all this time now?
1: Oh, for me personally, immensely, it's been my staple Doctor Who, um, and and particularly the last two years when no matter what people say, we've been getting less and less and less episodes on on television. Then I've relied even more so on on Big Finish, and certainly when they when they started, uh, which was what nearly fourteen years ago now. Yes, it is. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, long long time. Um, they they were the only company producing brand new doctor who in precisely the same format as that we'd seen on television it was uh fan service completely mm. and yeah there's been some clunkers but on the whole there's far more hits than there's been misses and there have been something <laughs> very close to my heart and uh put it this way um were the show to go oh. off the screen uh now then i would be very sad and uh but, yeah, but I would get over it, but were big finish to start producing things, and that would have a far greater impact.
0: <laughs> well, of course, I mean, as you say you've been listening for nearly what fourteen years now, so I mean obviously that has sort of um sort of plugged the gap really, has not it, between sort of like the the old sort of, what now terms of the classic series um ending and the and the new series starting. so um so really sort of how did you first get into Dr Who before
1: big Finish came along? you know what was your what was your route into the show? oh well that goes back even further um, not as far back as some people I mean I always watched the show when I was um, young when I was growing up but uh, I didn't get into the show um, in, in a way that um, you'd expect a fan to to be into the show these days until the wilderness years I'd say well actually I can I can date it it was 1992 and it was when Tomb of the Cybermen was rediscovered now I was, um, I was with a girl I was engaged to someone at the time yeah. who Liked Doctor Who much more than I did, and she went out, bought home um, a copy of Two and a Cyberman, which you know we said, "Well, let's watch this then." And I wasn't really concentrating, but uh, watched episode one, and I was absolutely riveted, and insisted we watch the remainder. And after that, I then went out and bought practically every single. Doctor Who VHS <laughs> that was available at the time. And my relationship with Doctor Who outlasted that relationship by many, many, many. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I then got into uh, the, the, the new adventures after I'd devoured everything that was available on VHS. Um, including trying to get hold of some of the videos that have been deleted by the BBC, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is quite hard. Uh, towards the the end of the 90s, um, I just got into the new adventures and absolutely found um, something that had been created especially for people like me, really. <laughs> and uh, and and through the new adventures, got into to, to fandom, I suppose, and started meeting other people yeah. um, who who really liked the show too. And the rest, as they say, is uh, is history.
0: Well, I suppose, um, as you say, you sort of joined fandom when speaking about Doctor Who in public was, it was you know, you, well, you didn't do it, really. It was, it was mm-hmm. always in hushed, hushed tones all the time. Um, I mean, how, I mean, certain fans, um, I mean, usually like, these interviews do sort of turn into a bit of fan bashing which I try to avoid. <laughs> um, but it's such a sort of, I think, a rich, um, rich topic. But um, you do get sort of some fans who will um, even now hate the fact that Doctor Who is now so popular. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What, I mean, what's your take on that? Because obviously, that's what's keeping the show alive.
1: Well, it is. But ultimately, I don't think that has anything to do mm. with a particular viewer's affection for the show. I mean, if you look at it another way, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I am. I. I. I love indie music, or what used to be classed as indie music back in there, uh, back in the nineties. I'm not mm. as into it uh, now as I was then. And we there was a few of us who used to go around these very, very small venues in London and, um, you know, listen to brand new bands. And there was this one particular band that I fell in love with. I just thought they were amazing, absolutely stunning. Mm. And they said, well, we've got a single coming out. And all of these bands used to say, you know, we've been signed. We've got a song coming out soon. Go and buy it. And he just thought, yeah, yeah, we'll never hear of them again, ever. Yeah. Um, and then they released a single called Yellow. And i had been following Coldplay for the best part of two or three years prior to them becoming really, really big. And I could, you know, I, I, I saw them in about three or four different London venues for about five pounds wow. um, <laughs> before they were charging 80 or 90 pounds per ticket. And I used to really enjoy having that little thing, you know. I knew a band who made it really successful. And all of a sudden, everybody had heard of Coldplay. And I'm thinking, yeah, but this is my band. This is my band. And I started resenting these people, especially the young <laughs> girls, who go, oh, Chris Martin, isn't he lovely? I'm thinking, well, sob what he looks like. He's, he's a talented singer. He can play the guitar like very few other lead guitarists amazing i just thought and everybody thought they knew him as well as i did and i started resenting those individuals not the band and i think if you you know to get us back to who yeah you know it's the same kind of thing people who have been with the show for many many years um when they start talking about doctor who with brand new fans who aren't necessarily aware that there was a doctor before christopher eccleston there is a history then maybe people start thinking yeah they're not serious about it and then you get these silly little fan ruptions um which you know very recently you can find all over youtube people taking the piss out of um fangirls tenant fangirls saying you know they really thought he was going to come back and Casting of Capaldi has alienated, all of the new fans, etc. And it's difficult not to just sit back as a wise old fan and smile at them.
0: I <laughs> know, oh, I know. I'm just trying to think if if this happens when. Um, I mean, I do remember Pert regenerated into Tom Baker, but that's a very, very dim, distant memory. And I, I suppose, really, it's it's when Baker uh, regenerated into Davison. Yeah. And I must admit, I don't remember that kind of. Um, that righteous anger that, that that fandom seems to have now Oh no, but, but, it's but I dare totally say it existed now. because um as, yeah it is different now because people can voice their opinions hmm. a lot more easily now through social media and um sort of like forums and whatever um so but do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing that people can actually do that because a lot of silly arguments have started which are basically over a tv show
1: oh yeah i mean, it's good and bad isn't it but that's the same with social media and you know it, you get some idiots and uh, you get some people really you know using the media uh, to exchange intelligent views and yeah. I, I think it very much depends on your approach to life as to how sensible you are when using social media i mean for me if you look at the you know the common denominator the internet has given rise to me um, and you uh, talking to each other about Doctor Who now? Exactly. You know, yeah. had, had we not created our own podcasts, then you know the the community would have been very much as it was, pretty much back in the nineties, where you know you, you kind of relied on secret handshakes and knowing looks <laughs> to identify <laughs> other fans. Um, but for, so for me, I think it's a good thing. But of course, there's always there's always the downside to everything, and uh, social media allows you to be anonymous if you wish and therefore people sometimes say things online that they wouldn't in real life
0: yeah that's true that's very true now getting back to what you were saying about you sort of immersed yourself in into the old old vhs releases and everything um Mm. so out of all them did you sort of decide on you know who your doctor was at that time or, or or haven't you got
1: one uh, yes and no um i mean whatever doctor i'm watching at the time is the one that i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoy it's a very very boring answer but i i th- I think I will always consider Tom Baker the definitive doctor. Hmm. Um, I, I'm pleased to hear that you remember the regeneration from Pertwee to, to Tom Baker because it means that you're slightly older than me. Oh, I am indeed, um, <laughs> yes. My,
0: my first <laughs> but, story is actually The Green Death. That's how far back I can oh, remember. Right. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I remember that being repeated. That was one that was repeated quite a lot, hmm. uh, I seem to remember, either on Sunday afternoons on BBC Two in the 90s or... Um, or, uh, or or on UK gold, but uh, I, yeah, I I think Tom Baker is probably the doctor I think of immediately. You know, when I'm thinking of it, my favourite stories, for instance. But yeah. I I so think what,
0: that, what's what's definitive about him for you, though,
1: it, it's a good question, and I'm not quite certain. I I think the eccentricity is at its height uh, within that era. I I also think that. Um, I think it was by accident because Tom Baker was the doctor for 7 years you've got distinct eras within the fourth doctor era you mm. know if you want a moody melancholic uh doctor you you watch a story from season 18 if you want a you know a lighthearted jovial story you go for the year before that um if you wanted just to watch a confident doctor a confident companion then you'd watch City of Death or something so for me, I think there's a lot of choice from that era, and therefore, perhaps the fourth doctor in my mind is better developed and mm. therefore is, is, is easier to relate to. You know, if you're miserable, there's a story. If you're happy, there's a story for you. Whereas you can't really say that about many of the other doctors, I don't think.
0: No. Is there any sort of particular of doctor who you don't like at all? Is no. there any sort of
1: like any stories you just can't go back to at all? A whole season you can't go back to? No. Um, no. <laughs> uh, you've, you've, uh, everything's in context. And of course, there are some stories I don't like. I, I had difficulty with season 18 and because I, I think it is gradually disappearing up its own bottom. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and people people try and retcon what they were trying to do with the show. But what they were really trying to do with the show was was handle an actor who knew he was leaving, who wasn't turning in the same kind of performances mm. that he'd done in the past, um, along with a very ambitious new producer. Um, I have real trouble with some McCoy stories. Uh, I, I really... Try, well, a couple of weeks ago, I tried to watch Curse of Femric again. Yeah. And I, I'm told by... Um, perceived fan wisdom that it's a good story and I should like it. But every time I watch it, I want to find a high bridge (laughs) halfway through episode two. I just can't watch it. I have
0: have that similar problem with
1: Ghostlight. Yeah, likewise. Likewise, um, I have this ritual. Um, Once once a year on my birthday, uh, my wife concedes to watch a Doctor Who story with me uh, all the way through. And I've only gone for three episode stories so far, uh, just so that she doesn't decide this is a bad idea. Ghostlight was one, and she said she understood it, but I, <laughs> uh, I, I just can't can't get to grips get, with it. I'm no,
0: afraid. no, I, I can't see what the what the fuss is about. Actually, I actually wanted to kick the telly in at, at, at one point. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's um. Obviously, is there anything about Doctor that sort of disappoints you in any way? Is there sort of like anything you sort of like you know the wish they wouldn't do? It? Even like in the old series or now as well, is there anything you sort of wish they wouldn't do or or
1: stop doing? Um not the old series, and I think that's because I just grew up with it, therefore I kind of accept it for for what it is. But hmm. the new series, yes. I mean, every classic series fan has an opinion or is slightly disappointed about one element of the new show um the thing that i disliked very much about the new series the modern series mm. was the comedy elements particularly within the david tennant era the kind of stuff where for instance he was kicking radiation out of his foot in um smith and jones yeah the new earth comedy where tennant is doing an impression of Zoe Wanamaker really quite badly. Um, the yeah, Christopher Eccleston calling Charles um, Dickens' mate. You know, those kind of things. Occasionally, you just want to put your fist in your mouth. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I I, think the, the biggest example is that was the Slovene. I think the Slovene were the biggest misstep of the first year. And I understand why they were there, and I understand what they were doing. But... I I struggled to enjoy those stories because of those decisions. So yes, those kind of things disappoint me, I think.
0: Uh, it's interesting you sort of picked up on those things because I th- I do also think that it's those sort of that
1: aspect now is what makes the show as popular as it is. No, I don't. I think the popularity was there despite those moments. Um and I think David Tennant was so fantastic with some of the dire material he was given that he was able to win over his fan base anyway um a lot of those things i was talking about have eradicated themselves from the 11th doctor era i mean you don't get much of you know cringeworthy humor with matt smith despite the fact he is incredibly eccentric i mean Mm. the only one i can think of was who'd the man (laughs) you know Yeah, yeah but but even then that was he just did straight afterwards, well, it didn't work. So it had the comedy that was funny in it. So, no, I, I think the popularity is is driven by the stories, it's driven by the lead actors, and it's driven by the fantastical concepts of time travel, um, which Stephen Moffat has driven home in every series he's, he's overseen.
0: He has, yeah. So when the show came back in 2005, I mean, did you think at all that it would be a success? Because there was, there was a lot riding on that, wasn't there? That first series actually taking off.
1: I don't know, in all honesty. Uh, boring answer. I hoped it was going to be a huge success, of course. Um, I personally remember being slightly disappointed after watching Rose mm. and thinking, yeah, it was very fast, very quick. Not quite for me. I think there was the realisation that Doctor Who wasn't being made for... Guys in their mid thirties uh, <laughs> really hit home. Then, but uh, uh no, I, I, I don't think I ever thought it was going to fail because I think the concept of regeneration is as magical now as it was twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years ago. Mm. And so long as you're appealing to kids, then you'll draw them in with the concept of regeneration with a Tardis. And, um, you know, so long as the stories are well written and you have the money to make them look good and to compete with contemporary shows, then, mm. yeah.
0: Because, I mean, I, I must admit, I had this vision in my mind that it was still going to be, you know, studio bound, uh, film, <laughs> fi- you know, um, shot on video and, you know, done um, with wobbly sets and, and rubber monsters. I, st- I, I honestly thought it was still going to be like that. And I must admit, I, I was quite amazed at the polish <laughs> applied to it now <laughs> what, what i, I don 't think I
1: ever was concerned it was going to suffer the same or suffer for the same reasons that the classic series suffered from mm. um when, when you you know i I read practically every single word in d w m for the eighteen months prior to rose transmitting, and I think it was very clear you know right from the outset that this was being taken seriously yeah. and there was going to be enough money um I think everybody suddenly started taking it seriously when they announced the casting of Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Um, They almost undid it by then announcing Billy Piper as the companion. um, Turned out to be completely unfounded. She was a fantastic actress. But I think the pairing of almost a classically trained Shakespearean actor with a former pop star (laughs) is sheer madness on the face of it yeah. but you look it worked Um, you know the two of them worked fantastically on screen i've no idea how they fared off screen <laughs> but it was uh, it was a, an amazing success and it managed to be something that was unique uh, in 2005 uh, and there was nothing else on telly quite like it and yet the whole concept was 50 years old. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So obviously the show came back in 2005 and by then, as you, we said earlier, there was the internet and we talked about social media and podcasting, of course. Um, mm. So how did you get involved in the world of Doctor Who
1: podcasting? <laughs> A complete accident, really. <laughs> and, uh, certainly wasn't something that I, I I did deliberately or ever thought I was going to be able to do as uh, as much as I as I went on to do. Um, I started listening to the DWO Who Cast at the time. Mm. I you know, I, I didn't know anything about podcasts. I thought it was the only only show around. And uh, I, I listened to Paul Wilson and uh, and, and Seb Brook for a long, long time and through listening to them found out that there were other podcasts out there and i thought all oh, this could be quite fun i wonder if it's as easy to do as they make it sound uh and the answer to that was no <laughs> it was it, it wasn't uh, but i didn't want to do doctor who so uh, I, i've also got another passion um uh, and that's that's classic uh british classic comedy uh mm. dad's army in particular yes, or something i like yes. them uh, has has a similar kind of fan base uh, to Doctor Who in as much as you know they're basically a bunch of loonies. Um, it's slightly <laughs> slightly higher average age, um, but there wasn't any podcasts out there at all. Uh, so I thought, great, I'll try something with zero competition yeah. um, and cut my teeth on that for about two or three years, during which time things have moved on at the DWO Who cast and I started sending in some feedback as a listener. Uh, got to know a few other people. Uh, by then, Trevor uh, was was running the show, and he sent me an email saying, "Do you want to come on board and do some um, do some reviews just hmm. on your own initially?" And things just kind of blossomed out of that, and mainly through a friendship with Trevor, it has to be said. And uh, the pair of us got on really well. We both got to the point where we knew we had something special. And when Tom came along. Yeah. Uh, the dynamic the three of us had, we thought, well, we would like to branch out and do something for ourselves, uh, rather than do it for a you know a, a, another online fan site. And that's when the Doctor Who podcast was born, and we've been plugging away at it in one form or another since 2010.
0: So, are you sort of like, sort of, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of amazed at sort of like the, the sort of feedback we get. Um, I mean. Does it sort of? I know people sort of podcasters say, oh, "I'm not interested in how many people listen and all that," but um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think deep, deep down, that that's a, you know that's they're the kidding themselves really. Um, I mean, are you sort of like quite sort of surprised and pleased that the success you've had?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'll say up front, I wouldn't do it if nobody listened to us. <laughs> I, I, I just wouldn't. Um, it, it's not something that I think is sensible. I mean, I, I do enjoy it and I will stop doing it when I stop enjoying it. But yeah, during the height, when the season uh, or when the um, the show is airing, we have 16,000 uh, listeners or thereabouts uh, each week. and. Yeah. That, for me, is stunning. Um, people have difficulty keeping track of how many downloads they get and how many listeners they get and so on. So it was something that was really very, very important to us on the DWP mm. that we knew how many people were downloading. Yeah. So we we got a bespoke piece of software written especially for us. So we, we know our numbers are accurate, and we published them on the website too. So, um, yeah, for me, it is important. I am... Rather surprised that so many people find our inane drivelings interesting, and uh, that the numbers have, have kept up. Yeah.
0: Well, so what, what sort of thing? Um, obviously, you sort of you've interviewed people connected to Doctor Who in, in its various formats. Um, mm. What's mm. been your sort of your, your favourite interview so far? What's been the most enjoyable for you? Bernard
1: Cribbins. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good it, it, one. Absolutely. Amazed that we got him, and that was that was a couple of years ago. He's notoriously difficult to to get. I think he has appeared at a couple of conventions, but I understand he's very, very expensive. <laughs> um and I got him by pure chance. And if I hadn't done the Dad's Army podcast, it wouldn't have happened. It was oh, it was well. because we, we we interviewed Bill Pertwe. Yeah. Um I mean I, I happen to know by pure chance um Frank Williams, he, he played the vicar in yes. Dad's Army, and uh, that that really is just a coincidence. I, I just happened to know him, and through him, he uh, arranged an interview with uh, with, with Bill Pertwee. Um, whilst we were recording, he happened to mention that he went fishing with Bernard Cribbins on a regular basis, and of course, my little Doctor Who fan by heart leapt. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say anything <laughs> during the interview. But you know, I, I write a letter after I interview these people, uh, to yeah. say thank you very much for your time and here's the C D of it and so on. And I thought, well, if you don't ask, you don't get so I said, couldn't help noticing, you said you go fishing with Bernard Cribbins. So I also do a Doctor Who podcast. Bernard's been in Doctor Who, I'd love to speak to him. Yeah. Thought nothing more of it. Five months later <laughs> <laughs> wow. when it really was five months later, I was working from home and, I, and the phone rang and it said hello is that James I said yes it's Bernard Cribbins here I understand you want to interview me <laughs> oh. I was I, I chose that day to work from home it was pure chance so had I not had I been in the office then I wouldn't have got the phone call I, th- I
0: think the planets are the lines for you that day James
1: it was stunning and yeah. I was like oh, I've done no preparation at all um and I said can you give me I think it was about two hours just yeah. to prepare, and he said yes, gave me a number, I called him back, and we got our 15-minute interview with Bernard Cribbins.
0: Oh, fantastic. That's brilliant. What oh, a great story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it will it will stay with me forever, I have I to say. It will. That I bet it will. I bet it will. That's brilliant. it was brilliant. amazing. And he's a fascinating gentleman, and, of course, his voice is so different to the one that he uses in most most um, uh, programs that he he acts in. He's actually a very, very well-spoken he posh. He yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, I mean, the um, last question now um, sort of, um, is really sort of about you know, Matt smith leaving and, and Peter Capaldi um, taking over. Mm. Um, I mean, what's your – I mean, obviously, you've sort of given your views on, on your own podcast and everything, but what's your views on, on, on this casting? Because I, for one, am actually quite excited by it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think he's, you know, I'm not going to say anything that people haven't heard before here, but uh, I'm, I'm very glad they've gone for an older Doctor. I think he's an actor of uh extreme pedigree i very much look forward to him um where i probably differ from most people is that i don't think he'll be on the show for more than about a year i can't mm-hmm. see him doing more than 13 14 episodes because the guy has made his career he is incredibly successful um i i do think he will have a novelty value for younger doctor who fans but i think that novelty value will wear off and I think there will be a desire uh, from young fans to go back to a younger doctor, someone who they can relate to a little bit more easy, Um, and that's not to denigrate or cast aspersions on Capaldi's ability to captivate or hold an audience, I Mm. just think it's, uh, if the programme is going to have someone in their mid-50s as the lead actor, then they really need to rework a heck of a lot to make it appeal and I don't think they will, and I don't think Moffat particularly wants to, I think he will leave when Capaldi leaves, probably in about 12 months time, so he's not that invested in making it work long time time now that might be me being incredibly (laughs) negative um personally i don't really care i'd like to see uh an older doctor i'd like to see the show change quite a bit yeah um but i don't think he'll be there for long and i do think sadly it will end up doing a boomerang and come straight back to the young doctors that we've been used to, um, you know, for the last seven years or so.
0: I was gonna say that there is the flip side to that, and there's, there's been sort of counter argument the whole with where, where people have said that they think Capaldi will leave after one season because he's such a successful actor, you won't be able to commit to anything for long term. Um, but so the, the other flip side to that is that well, he's already been there, seen it, done it. Yeah. He's got nothing left to prove,
1: so maybe he will stick around for two to three seasons. I, I think it depends very much on what he wants personally as well. And yeah. I also think it very much depends on how the audience responds to him long time. Mm. Um you know, long term, sorry. I, I I do think, you know, there's a huge appetite within fandom to see an older doctor. I mean, you speak to practically anybody and it's yes, we got something different at long last, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I do think that Will wear off quite soon, you know, and we'll be back to is the story any good, you know? And the fact that he is 55 does mean they're going to have to tell different stories. Mm. You know, you are not going to be able to have sexual tension every single episode, not in the same way that you had, you know, with Billy Piper and David Tennant in series two. You know, and that really drew in the, you know, the post-Buffy generation of fans. It did, you yeah. You cannot do that with someone like Peter Baca- 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 Great, it, I wish I'd have chosen someone whose name I could say. <laughs> <laughs> Smith was fine. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Um I think Capaldi will be able to stay as long as he wants to stay, he provided the reaction from the fans and... Um, when I say the fans, I don't really mean the mad Doctor Who fans. I mean the general audience, you know, yeah. the uh, the ten million people who, chewing in. Yeah. So long as that is positive, um, but I'm I'm I I, it's a qualified approval from me. But uh, I I do think there's more going on here than meets the eye. I will go on record to say that I'm exceptionally pleased we did not have a female doctor.
0: <laughs> I must admit, I must. Have, you know, at the time, I thought I don't really care. Long as it, long as it's the right person for the part, um, but I must admit, there is a little bit of me who's actually quite glad about that as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, ashamed, have, I'm ashamed
1: to say it, but... I, I'm not ashamed in the slightest, I'm afraid. I, I, I have extreme difficulty in figuring out how an actress could be right for the part of the Doctor. Um, and it goes back to what we were saying right at the very beginning of the the, the, the show. Um, you know, I've, I've been a fan of this this show for a long time now, and I now appreciate the, the fact that technically... The Doctor has 12 regenerations, and for 11 of those, possibly 12, counting John Hurt, mm. he has been a man. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't see why, <laughs> uh, even within the fiction of the show, they could come up with a very good reason as to why that should change. In mm. the same way that I don't think he should change into a cupboard or an alien or anything, um, I, I don't think the show has demonstrated it It is possible to work well enough and you know i know i realize that's an extremely unpopular view and um it's just something that I'm, i'm pleased about but i am pleased to push the boundaries of um the typical male caucasian um actor that we've seen for the last seven years i am glad that they've gone slightly older okay
0: james thank you very much
1: no problem thank you